We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to this message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. People from different backgrounds, from different communities, different upbringings, different ethnicities come together and find home. Is it so random? Is it just by chance? I do believe that, to be honest, everything in culture wants to separate us. People, the, the culture wants to separate us by politics. Culture wants to separate us by economics. Culture wants to separate us by race. It wants to separate us by just the different beliefs that we hold about different things. Culture wants to separate us by sports teams. I'm not going to say anything about Notre Dame losing, Lewis. But I'm just saying, they did. But I believe scripture tells us a little bit about this. That this isn't so random. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, it says this. Remember that one time you were separated from Christ. You were far from Christ. You were far gone from Christ, not having any hope and without God in the world. Uh, we were far from God. Uh, scripture tells us that when we are outside of Christ, that we are dead. Our life is, is gone. There is nothing that can bring us close to God. Our identity outside of Christ is actually enemy. And we're not only enemies to God. We're not only enemies to Christ. But outside of God, we, we're enemies to each other. Because what would bring us together? For what reason? We've tried humanism. We've tried everything else. But the reality is the algorithm of this world, all it wants to do is divide and conquer. And whatever we feel gives us any source of identity, we realize that none of that can amount to bring us closer to God. And no matter how much I, 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 I'm good, no matter how much uh, money I make, no matter how, uh, how I act like I got everything together, nothing brings me into God's presence. Christ says this, no one comes to the Father unless they come through me. Jesus says, if you want to meet God, if you want to have a relationship with God, you have to have a relationship with me first. And so for so long, for many of us, we've, we've searched out other sources of hope. It said that we, we were without hope, without God in the world. And so we've looked at our careers and said, maybe if I get the right job, maybe if I make the right money, I'll have a sense of hope in my life. Maybe if I've got the right uh, relationships, if, if, if I'm dating the right person, if I'm married to the right person, if I'm married, period, maybe I'll have some significance. Maybe it's my house and my home and my cars, and we realize very quickly that those things end up withering away. They burn if they just don't fall apart in the process. Some of us put our significance in our children. 
We put so much stock into our children, into their lives, into their sports, into their anything that can get us some sort of intrinsic value and make us feel good about ourselves. But we realize when they get older, they walk away and they want to treat us like garbage. And the same kids that we raised, that we poured our lives into, that we gave so much to end up turning their backs on us. Here's the reality of this world. Nothing provides hope like a saving relationship of Jesus Christ. Going on to verse 13, Paul, the writer, says, But now in Christ, Jesus, you who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He says, you who were once far off, you guys who were separated and taken in context, it, it looks at the Old Testament temple period where only a specific group of people could enter one set of the court and only another significant group of people could enter one part of the court. But everybody else had to stay outside and had to stay far. So literally they were separated. They couldn't even come into the presence of God because they were the others. They were outside of the court's temple. Our hearts are far from God. Our hearts are far from each other. Once who were far have been brought near by Jesus Christ. Think about it, even geographical. She started her life in Germany. She started her life in Kentucky. And all of these individuals, they're geographically far off, separated. But we've been brought near by the blood of Christ. We've not only been brought near to God, we've not only have now access to God because of Jesus, we now have access to be able to have a relationship with each other. Meet people who I didn't know a year ago, two years ago, and all of a sudden our lives have become united and knit together in a not so random circumstance. We realize that it could only be through the blood of Christ. We can keep the verse up. The cross is the only acceptable currency of ransom for our lives. There's nothing I can do to raise myself from the dead. There's nothing that I can do to make myself better, to be able to stand in front of God. Only the cross of Jesus Christ. And then going on, verse 14, he says, for he himself is our peace. He's the one who brings together the harmonious relationship that we have with God. He's the one who brings them together the harmonious relationship that we have with each other. Who has made us both one. And has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Again, the people who are looking at this, the people who are reading this are recognizing that yes, at once we were so far off. At once we weren't even allowed to enter the courts of church. We had to be in this place called the courts of Gentiles. Every single one of us in this room would have been in the courts of the Gentiles. We would have been in a space where there was a sign at the door to enter into the next part of the court that says, if you dare walk through this place, you have only yourself to be sorry for your death. Literally, it's said that if a Gentile, if somebody who was considered an other, a person who was considered on the outside, walked through this space, they could kill them because they were not supposed to enter that space. It wasn't for them. This is the vivid picture of humanity. 
This is the vivid picture of the church many times. It's always a the, us versus them. Well, they can't come here. Well, I don't want them to come and sit next to me. Well, how about they worship in their space and we worship in our space? How about they stay over there and we stay over here? How about they stay doing what they're doing and we don't allow them in this space? See, the algorithm of this world is separation. He says he's broken down the dividing wall of hostility and made us both one. See, as the individuals are reading this, these are Jews and they're Gentiles. They're people who are uh, considered the chosen people of God. And then there are everybody else. And the reality is because Jesus Christ, because he's made peace between us and God, because he's made peace with us and each other, we have now won. All of the dividing factors that was once with us are no longer an issue. There's no longer Jew, Gentile. There's no longer black, white. There's no longer rich, poor. There's no longer anything. We are all one family. He's made us both one. We recognize that what unites us is much deeper than anything that separates us. There's a new identity. There's a new family. There's a new church. Our our last name is now church. Our identity has totally changed. Point number one, if you want to follow along. Outside of Christ, our identity is enemy. But with Christ, our identity is family. Everybody here shared a little bit about how when they walked in, they heard welcome home. But when they walked out, they knew that they were a part of a family. Going on to verse 19 and 20. He says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Point number two, God doesn't build an organization. He mobilizes a people. And can I tell you, differences are a prerequisite. The differences that we come with, these are the things that that flavor us together. He says, you are no longer strangers and aliens. You're no longer separated. You're no longer far from each other because strangers have no rights. Strangers show up and people look at them weird. People look at them like they're odd. They look at them like they're not supposed to be there. Aliens are the same way. Aliens are individuals that, I don't know, I may let you in a little bit. I may kind of keep you at an arm's left. I don't know if I can trust you or not. But citizens walk in and they've got the same rights. They're considered family. They're allowed to sit in this space. And can I tell you, if anybody walks in relevant church, they're going to walk in as a citizen unless they prove to themselves that they're actually a stranger or alien. They will be a citizen first. That's why we say welcome home. No one should ever walk into this house and ever feel like a stranger. Going back to the text. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Christ Jesus himself, the cornerstone. The apostles who walked with Jesus Christ, they they built the church on their backs. 
They went out and, and they witnessed and they talked and, and they let everybody know what they had received from Christ. All of the encounters that they had with Jesus, everything he had taught them. They went and they started building the church from region to region. The prophets of old, everybody pointed to Jesus Christ. Everything that they talked about was about the Messiah. And then now we got Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. Cornerstones, when they were building buildings in the ancient days, were the, was the stone that allowed purposeful alignment. It meant sure that the building would be stable, that the foundation will be right, that everything will be built according to it. And this is who Jesus is for us. Jesus is our rubric, not religion. Jesus is our rubric, not what he said and she said. Jesus is our rubric, not cultural norms. Jesus is our rubric, not what denomination you go to. At the end of the day, it's not about Baptist, Pentecostal, uh, Lutheran. It's about Jesus. He is the cornerstone. He is the foundation that we're built on. I got a good friend who goes to this church, Dave. Me and Dave, when you look at us, we're totally opposite. Dave has a long beard. I can't grow a beard to save my life. Dave wears camo shorts. The only camo I rock is if it's in a bomber jacket. Dave rocks shorts in the winter. I hate the winter. Dave works, wears Crocs. I will, you will never catch me dead in a Crocs. But listen, according to the world, me and Dave are supposed to be separated. We're supposed to not be the same. But in Jesus Christ, we find our stable foundation. We find our unity. We find our wholeness. What holds us together is much greater than anything that tries to divide us. Going on to verse 21. He says, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In whom the whole structure being joined together, this is really a leading back to, again, the Roman structures of how they built their, 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 their establishments and their temples. Uh, being wholly joined together was like individuals taking rocks and turning them so that they can fit just right. So in, in our eyes, it looks like a seamless column, even though it's different pieces put together, but they've made sure that they've shaved them, that they've molded them, that they've put them together so they look like one. One structure. One being. United. And that's who we are. From different backgrounds from different stories. But Jesus is coming around and he is shaving out the sides a little bit. He is smoothing out the edges a little bit and then he's stacking us close together so that we are so close that when everybody looks at us, they don't see anybody divided. They see a people united. They see a people with one mission and one vision to proclaim that Jesus is relevant. It says it joins together and grows together. See, church... Is more an organism than an organization. It's constantly forming and, and being formed. And it says Jesus Christ is our accelerator. He's the bonding mechanism that keeps us together, that makes sure that growth is accelerated, that unity is accelerated, that strength is accelerated, that bonds are formed together. Where creativity, size, impact takes place because of a united front. We become a spirit-led and spirit-filled church. 
just like Jesus did everything through the power of the Holy Spirit, we too will do and accomplish everything through the power of the Holy Spirit. Going on to verse 22. In him, everybody say in him. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We're being, to, being built together as a dwelling place of God's presence. Last point, if you're following along, point number three, God's people are the house where his presence is present. It's not about a building. It's not about a location. It's not about a denomination. It's about a people who are unified with one last name, church. What's the evidence of his presence? The dead are raised to life. Healing happens. Hope is restored. Leaders are developed. Intentional community happens. Community is resourced. Republicans and Democrats worship together as one house where blacks and whites sit next together and not have to worry about the color of their skin. Where gays and lesbians and transgender walk in without anybody thinking they're weird. Where everyone can walk in and just feel the love of Jesus Christ knowing that they're on a journey like everybody else. Everyone comes in and they know that they can be welcomed home. There's no division, no separation. We have love for everyone because at the end of the day, it is God's people who are the house where the presence is present. We become the vision and the reality of God's love for humanity. We become a church that passionately follows Jesus, that loves across boundaries, and goes out and makes a tangible difference in our communities. Folks, this is us. This is our house. This is the church. This is who we are. This is the heart for the house. This is God's heart for the house. Is this your heart for this house? Because this is us. So let me leave you with this. God is at work in and around us. God is building and mobilizing a people for a movement that's going to impact this community, region, and world, and we're about to enter bamboo season. And the question that I got to ask you is, do you have a heart for this house? Do you have a heart for this mission? Do you have a heart for this vision? Because this is us. This is who we are. This is our heart for the house. So there's two things I want to challenge you with. Number one, God is inviting us to join him at work through heart for the house. If you haven't already given, this is a great opportunity that I want to encourage you to step out and say, God, I believe in what you're doing in this house. I've, I've heard the testimonies. I've seen the impact in my own life. And I want to join you at work. And I believe that God wants to do something significant through our Heart for the House offering this year. I don't know if you knew, but did you know that in two weeks, actually, this is the second to the last Sunday we're supposed to be in this building. Our lease is up. There's not a whole lot of options. There is a place that we've seen. There is a place that we've walked through. There is a spot that looks amazing. There is a spot that we are excited about. 
There is a spot where the people are excited about us. There is a spot that could become home, a place of permanent dwelling, a place where God's presence will be present, a place where people will come home, a place where lives will be transformed, a place where God's kingdom will meet this earth like it is in heaven. But we can't afford it. We could if we met our goal for heart for the house. Our goal, I'll tell you right now, I haven't told any numbers. I didn't give anybody any numbers of what Heart for the House was. But I'll tell you exactly what it is. We're about 25% because our goal was $20,000. $20,000 will position us to be able to get into the space if this is God's will. It'll make sure that we have the capacity to, to walk into this place. But let me tell you, let me give you some vision of the future. The space that we're looking at is a nice space. But it also comes with a nice amount of work. So what does this look like? It looks just a deep commitment for people who have a heart for this house. And we're going to talk about that in the, in the coming weeks and in the coming months of what we can do as a church to come together to ensure that this place is our house. So number one, if you have a heart for this house, if you've got a heart to see the lost found, if you've got the, uh, the heart to see hope restored, families reunited. Husbands to find wives. Wives to find husbands. I want to invite you to participate in Heart for the House. There's still a lot of envelopes out there. I believe that maybe you've already given and God is calling you to even give more. Listen, this is not a give and you shall receive. This is give to be a blessing. I'm not calling, I'm not sitting here saying like, sow a seed and God is going to give it back to you. No, I'm saying sow a seed and bless God. Number two, God is inviting us to join him at work in the lives of those around us through our invites to fall kickoff. Uh, you heard the stories here. She was invited at Mother's Day. She came around Mother's Day. And you hear the story that she was invited by a guy named Lewis. He was invited by Ryan. Life change happens when one invite happens. You don't know who God wants to flip their world upside down. He's at work in the hearts and the minds of his prodigal sons and daughters throughout this community. And your invite may change eternity for someone. And if you have a heart for this house, if you have a heart to see people's lives transformed, I want to invite you to invite someone next week. Let's pack this house for the glory of God. Let's see people who are far from God realize that they were not that far anyway. He was always close by, and he was always championing their growth. So today, two opportunities to join God at work. Number one, make a gift to heart for the house. I almost had them bring the envelopes up here, but I'm not going to ask them to do that. But I, I want to see you. I, I want to invite you to envision the envelope wall. The envelope wall sitting up here with the different envelopes and the different amounts. This amount right here, her name is Susan. This envelope right here, that's Trey. This envelope right here, that's Kelly. This envelope is Mark. This envelope is Larry. 
This envelope is Jacinia. This envelope is Mary. Every single envelope on that wall is attached to a name that could be transformed for the sake of the gospel. And they are in this community. Just now, 6,000 of them who say they don't know Jesus. The harvest is plenty. The laborers and the resources are few. And you can help us reach that goal. And invite. 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 God wants to do something in the hearts and the lives of so many people here. I look through this whole space of people who came because of an invite. I see the people who are serving because somebody invited them. I see people who are giving because somebody I see people who've been baptized because somebody invited them. One invite can change everything. And I wouldn't close this message without giving the ultimate invite to somebody who's heard all of this. And when we were talking about how there's nothing that will bring you to close outside of Jesus Christ. It's not your career. It's not how good you are. It's not how much money you make. It's not about the car you drive. It's not about the relationship you have. It's nothing. Nothing can take the place of Jesus' person and saving work in your life. And today he wants to welcome you home. So if you are in this space and that you know that you've put everything above God, you've, you've tried to have hope outside of God, and what you realize is that the hope has left you hopeless. I want to let you know that there's nothing but Jesus Christ who changes everything. I will testify, my life was a hot mess. And guess what? Jesus changed everything. And today, I want to invite you to have your life changed for you to receive the hope of eternity his name is Jesus so while all heads bowed or our eyes closed I just want to pray God if there's anybody in this space who's yet to accept the peace, the hope, the courage the joy, the satisfaction that comes from having a saving relationship with Jesus Christ if they're in here God, I pray that you may begin to stir their hearts, stir their mind. That they'll understand that they're not an outcast. This is their house. We've set the table. We've welcomed them home. Allow them to receive your love through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Listen, Jesus came and he walked this earth, this broken earth. An earth that wants to divide. The, the earth that wants to separate. And he came and he came close. He came to unite. Most of all, he came to unite you to back to the Father so that you can have peace, so that you can have joy, so you can understand the value that you have through him. And then he went to the cross, and he took all of your sins, everything that you did, past, present, and future. He nailed it to a cross, and, and he took the pain. He took the punishment. He took the ultimate wrath of God that was supposed to come on us. And he gave it all up for you and I. And he took his last breath on that cross and was put in a grave. The tomb was sealed. But scripture tells us that early, that early, that early Sunday morning, 
all power of heaven and earth shook the entire earth. And it came down like a mighty rushing wind and raised Jesus Christ from the grave. He beat hell. He beat death. He beat sin. He beat anything. He beat your addiction. He beat your everything that holds you back from becoming the person that God has called you to be. And today you can rise from death to new life in Jesus Christ. And if you are in here, all you have to do is say yes. So wherever you are in your seat, if you would just raise your hand and just say, Jesus, I surrender. I accept the free gift. I see your hand and I see your hand. You're saying, I accept you, Jesus Christ. I see your hand. You're saying, God, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives through me. And the life that I now live in the flesh will be lived through the power and the majesty of Jesus Christ. God, you see these hands that went up individuals all over the room who said yes to you today that said I'm done running I'm tired of doing things on my own I want the same love I want the same joy I want the same satisfaction I want the same peace of all those individuals on the stage and God I pray that you would give it to them so everybody if you're in this room if you would say this prayer with me dear God I surrender I'm not doing it on my own I'm tired of running away I'm coming home Thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. Thank you for raising him up on the third day to prove that I can beat death, addiction, anything that keeps me chained. I receive your love today in Jesus' mighty and precious name. And the whole room said amen. Everybody make some noise for everybody who said yes to Jesus. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more messages like this one.